Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Transform your life. I don't know if any of you have experienced that yourself 
coming to Jesus and having, having that salvation and entering his kingdom. And we see this time and time again in the Gospels. Jesus would meet a fisherman or tax collectors and say, come and follow me. They would just drop everything they were doing and take on a whole new lifestyle. Absolutely incredible. And um, we see like a woman caught in adultery. Normally she would have been stoned, she would have been killed. But he forgives her, but he says, but God has sinned no more. We see her life is absolutely transformed in this, uh, this um, experience that she has, this encounter with Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Jesus set her free from demons and she laid down her life to follow and serve Jesus. Financially aided him, she provided for him, she was at the cross when he was crucified ministering to Jesus' mother and then famously was the first person to see Jesus after the resurrection. And she's known as a true disciple of Jesus in his ways. What about Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector? He was wealthy and he was greedy and he was ripping people off. And he was selfish withholding mindset. He wanted to see Jesus because he heard he was coming, but he was short, so he climbed up a tree so he could see what Jesus looked like. And Jesus spotted him. We're always seen by Jesus. He knows where we're at. And he went over there and invited himself to dinner. I'd be like, oh, what's that going to smell? Is there anything in the fridge? And Zacchaeus said, yes, come to my house. And this absolutely horrified people around him. They actually said, oh, he's eating with sinners. <laughs> you know what? Jesus didn't care what the religious leaders of the time thought. He knew he had a mandate to seek and save the lost to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And from this encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus said, says in the scriptures, Look, Lord, here and now I give you half of my I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Wow. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Zacchaeus moved from dishonesty, greed, and withholding to repentance, giving, and generosity. Now I've seen many people come to Christ, and as they have a revelation of God's kingdom, they begin to step out in faith and trust God, maybe the first of his tithing to the local church. And then maybe moving to a higher level, bringing offerings, and then participating in you know, special giving opportunities like we had for the Ukraine and different things that have come up. Then the next step is becoming generous, giving it to beyond to support our local, global, regional missions and all the work that is done there, or sponsoring a child you know, by the love orphanage, or compassion, or these great organisations that do what it tells us in the Bible to do, to look after the orphans and the widows. Preparing a meal, or caring for a child when someone has been unwell, giving to those in need in times of tragedy. And giving instead of withholding happens as his kingdom comes. His will is done in our minds and in our hearts, and our lives are transformed when we have an encounter with Jesus. And our lifestyle changes. An encounter with Jesus and kingdom principles turned Zacchaeus' world upside down. It changed how he lived his life, a new lifestyle of honesty, integrity, generosity, and he made restitution. I love that he did that. 
This was an incredible testimony of the power of Jesus' ministry and his kingdom coming to earth. Now, our world today is full of speed. We say, we assume because of that, slow is bad. Our world today is full of convenience, so hard is bad. It's full of entertainment, so boring is bad. It's full of nurture, so risk is bad. And entitlement, labour is bad. But let's look at the kingdom way. <laughs> the world is full of speed, so we assume slow is bad. But God's kingdom is on a different time scale. We are encouraged to wait, meditate in prayer on his word, prioritise the Sabbath and stopping work regularly every week to be with God's people. And look at Jesus. He never hurried. You didn't see him. And he ran here and he ran there because there was a need. He spent time in prayer. He didn't say, I'm too busy to pray. I've got to spend time. Just spend time with God. I've got so much to do. I've got to preach to the kingdom. I've got to rebuke the proud. I've got to heal the sick. I've got to cast out a whole lot of demons today. I need to have children and I need to say the word literally. Well, literally. So I just don't have time. No. The opposite. Instead, he knew he was too busy not to pray. Even as a child, he said to his parents, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? <laughs> that was always his priority. And in John 5, he says, My father is always at work this very day, and I too am working. And 5.19, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So his disciples would come to him and say, hurry up, they'll even try and interrupt his prayer time. Hurry up, you know, the people are here, they're waiting for you, they've got needs, they need you. But he only ever did what the Father told him, what showed him, and he always used his time wisely. He had time to stop and speak with the woman with the issue of blood, even though he was on his way and he would judge his daughter. I think that that's the case where she actually died. But Jesus knew what was happening, but when it came, wow, that was a better testimony, not just a healing testimony, that was a resurrection testimony. God got the glory. He knew what he was doing. And in God's kingdom, the opposite of what we think, we wait from the Lord to renew our strength. We wanted to hurry up and get things done, but waiting for God's timing is everything. God is love, but love is patient, not hurried, and we can trust him. He knows what he is doing. The world is full of convenience, so we assume hard is bad. We want an easy life, we want a quick fix, but that's not what we're promised. Nowhere does it say that. James, it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I've got a long way to go. A trial comes and I don't go, yes, I'm so joyful. I'm like, this again? <laughs> Come on, God, I need you to work. <laughs> but let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
can't I just have the maturity and the completeness without the waiting and the process? But the world tells us you need everything now, but that's not God's plan. What about entitlement? Full of that, but I think all labor is bad. We don't want to work for it away. We want immediate results. Because we live in a microwave society, don't we? Everything can happen so fast. I get frustrated when my book doesn't download quickly enough on my Kindle, on my iPad. Now in the olden days, I would have to like get dressed, drive to a bookstore, park the car, walk in, look around, hope the book is there. And if it is, then line up, check out, pay for it, get home, and then I could read it. <laughs> but I'm frustrated that it takes a few minutes to download it. I was frustrated that Eden's bricks were delayed after the concrete foundation was poured for the house. But God showed me that um, the timing was right because it's given the foundation time to set and strengthen. Because what happens if things are built too quickly? The, it's not set and the weight makes it bow and people get cracks in their, their walls and in their ceiling. And I talked to some of the business and said, yeah, that's actually right. I'm like, oh, God, talk about it. <laughs> but it's long enough now, right? Now it's settled enough. Now we need those big players to come and build that woman house. Come on, come on. <laughs> but human nature is to hurry things on. If you see a butterfly emerging from a cocoon of crystals after 10 to 14 days, you will see the struggles and there's threats that it's trying to push through this small hole and through these threats, trying to break through. And it's a lot of hard work. And our instinct as humans is, I want to help it out. I want to release it from that hard work and struggle. But if you cut the cocoon of threats, the butterfly will never fly and eventually dies because the pressure of struggle induces a spontaneous blood flow into the wings, strengthening it and preparing it for flying and surviving. Isn't that amazing? God knows the nature. You know, we're so excited that you know we've got another um, granddaughter on the way. And I'm like, I can't wait. And then I'm like, yes, I can wait. Because if she was born now, that would be good. She's too early. We need to wait because God is developing her and doing her work in her. There's a reason for waiting nine months. If it's too early, the child is weak and ill-equipped. Or even if they come early and they survive, it's called they fail to thrive. And they're not developed enough and they won't survive. God, we need to trust God's timing, that he is developing us during the struggle, the pressure, and the waiting season. So when the timing is right, we won't fail to thrive but we'll, be, we'll flourish and be mature. Our world is full of entertainment and so we think that boring is bad. And we can confuse rest with entertainment rather than refreshing and healing. The kids today are like, oh, I'm bored, so you know, give them a screen, but keep them busy, something to do. But it's actually stifled creativity, play, relational skills and resilience. And it's the same for adults now too. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And if we try to fill it with busyness, or entertainment, or social media, gaming, YouTube, whatever, it isn't going to work. It's not going to bring fulfillment. It's in the quiet time where God can speak to us, where He can download visions and creativity and 
business strategies and sometimes spending that time with him, he actually gives you a strategy which alleviates the time pressure or gives you an answer for something that actually helps you to streamline. Because he gives us downloads from his heavenly kingdom. We confuse self-care with soul care. We try to implement self-help through various means. Instead of allowing Holy Spirit ministry, healing and transformation to take place. It's actually times in his presence that renew and refresh us. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, this is the message version, says, Are you tired? Worn out? They're different from each other, right? Being tired, being worn out. Burnt out on religion? What's the answer? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't have anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow, that is very different than what we're told in this earthly kingdom, isn't it? Oh, I want to live lightly and in true freedom. Anyone else? But that's not to be confused with lawlessness. In God's kingdom, here we go, here's this upside down thing again. True freedom comes with surrender. Ouch! <laughs> Second Corinthians 3 looks like this. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. Wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. I had a revelation of that. <laughs> Oh, so I'll just look. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. We talked about that last week about when we don't know him, there's a veil when we do. It's an understanding. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We have been transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Where he is Lord, there is freedom. Where he is King, King of that kingdom And there's different ways to live once we have that transformation as we transform into this kingdom mindset. Now the world tells us that we want to be free, we want to do everything our own way, we want to live our own way. Don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to say, just let me be myself, right? Yes, we're fearfully wonderfully made in His image and God loves us, but He has more for us. And I love that um, saying, God loves us just as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. We're a work in progress. He wants the best for us, for us to reach that potential He has placed within us, activate those gifts and plans that we talked about two weeks ago, those purposes for our lives, so that we can have the life to the full that Jesus promised to us, to be those people representing His kingdom. And that requires changing us, how we talk, how we walk, how we live out our lives. I know many people who had, um, they said they had quite a colourful language, 
before they were saved, their um, the second word was a swear word, and they said they had an encounter with Jesus, and that, that just changed. People were like, what's happened to you? You found God or something? No, you actually haven't. <laughs> it's quite amazing how a transformation can come. And when I was a teenager, I was very sarcastic and cutting and quite cynical. And we moved to Perth to live, and it was a very lonely time for me socially. I missed all my Melbourne church and all my youth group and my friends. And I really um, became full on for God, which is great. I was always reading his word and I love worship. And a couple of years later, I went to a youth camp over east with my friends. And one time I was in the car and I said, this shows how old I am, it was David Meese, and I've been there, and I'm like, oh, I love this, this singing, this guy, who's this artist? <laughs> my friend goes, oh, you like, you just don't like it, they just turn it off. And I'm like, oh, no, I, I sing, I think it's great. Who is he? Oh, sorry, sorry, I just forgot that um, you've changed and you're not that sarcastic person anymore. So I just went to that and I'm like, Whoa, that's a really weird scenario. <laughs> but it showed how much God had changed my heart and my words, my outlook and my demeanor, and that's what he does for us. And that's what he wants, to be demonstrating the fruits of his spirit. And it's not good enough if I've only just changed that once when I was 15. This needs to be something that we need to regularly He's changed. So there's fruits of the spirit in Galatians. We're going to be showing more and more love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and obedience, self-control. I want people to see changes in me regularly, noticing more of Jesus and less and less of me. He wants us growing as we read from glory to glory to be more like him. He doesn't do this because he's a killjoy, he's just a control freak, he doesn't want to just have us in and he wants to have any fun. He knows that doing things our way leads to destruction, selfishness, it steers us down this path and it doesn't lead to maturity. Now our two-year-old granddaughter Dorothy, she wants to jump off on a high limestone wall that we've got in our house and she has to wait till I get there so I can catch her. And Abby, who was here, she's taught her to ask, are you ready, Mima? And when I position myself, yes, I'm ready, Dorothy, you can jump now. Is it because I want her to stop jumping and I want to spoil her fun? No. Or I don't want her to be independent and free? No, it's because I know from my wisdom and my many years of scientific knowledge about gravity and experience from living life, that if she jumps without me catching her, or she jumps in a swimming pool and oh, I don't get her, she's going to drown. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. Now, I can't explain the laws of physics to her because her mind can't comprehend that yet. Maybe when she's three, she's, you know, <laughs> But I hope that because we have a relationship, that she trusts me and knows that I have my reasons and her best interest in her, that she will trust me on that one. If she chooses to do it her way, ignore the precautions and boundaries, she'll have to face the consequences and it will not be pretty. God has given us his word, the Bible, 
to help us set up boundaries around our world to bring us safety and security because he loves and cares for us. He doesn't want us to be unnecessarily hurt or confused. So many of you know Nick Gumbel, who runs Alpha, and um, I'm doing his best um, Bible one year again. And he was sharing about a soccer football match, they call them, that had been arranged involving 22 eight-year-old boys, including himself at the time. And the referee had not turned up. And after waiting for quite a while, um, they were like, come on, you do it. And he just didn't really know the, the rules and he had no whistle, there were no markings on the pitch and he didn't know the rules as well as even most of the boys. So the game soon descended into complete chaos. Some were shouting the ball were in, some were saying that it was out and he didn't know so he just let things run. Then they felt it's foul, no it's not a foul and he let them play on. And then people began to get hurt. By the time the referee pop arrived, there were three boys lying injured on the ground and all the rest were shouting, playing their innings. But the moment Andy, the referee, arrived, he blew his whistle, arranged the teams, told them where the boundaries were and had them under complete control. And the boys then enjoyed a great game of football. So were the boys freer without the rules or were they in fact less free? Without any effective authority, they could do exactly what they wanted, but people were confused at her. They much preferred it when the game was played according to the rules, then they were free to enjoy the game. So the rules of football are not designed to take away the fun of the game, they're designed to enable the game to be enjoyed to the full. So God's rules are his boundaries for life, given out of his love for us. His Boundaries are not designed to restrict our freedom, but rather give us freedom. So like the rules of football, they do not stop the enjoyment of the game, rather they enable the game of life to be enjoyed to the full. In God's kingdom, he doesn't invite us to follow the commands. He actually commands us to follow his laws. He commands us. But these are not the commands of the dictator, they are commands of a loving father designed to ensure justice, peace and fullness of life. In Proverbs, parents are urged to pass on God's commands to their children. Store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Keep my law as the apple, the pupil of your eye. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He writes God's law on your heart and gives you the ability to keep them, says that in Jeremiah 31. God's commands bring wisdom, and wisdom should be our intimate friend. They bring insight and they keep us out of trouble. So I picture this like swimming between the flags at the beach. You can swim wherever you want, but if you restrict your activity to within the safety limits, you'll be safer, you'll avoid a rip that you might not know about, that can't be seen you don't have any inside information about, you're less likely to drown. And if you do get into trouble, you will have someone qualified there to rescue you and help you. Now you may have a false sense of freedom outside the flags, the boundaries, but you've actually chosen um, to place yourself in a dangerous position when you swim outside there. And that's why we encourage you to have sacred disciplines in place, to have knowledge and understanding of God's word so that you can implement them in your life protection, safety, wisdom, thankfulness. You know, we have prayer so we can take time to hear from God. And also wise counsel 
inside are just like pushing it more. I saw many other day, the people you are hanging out with are not encouraging you to walk closely with God and in His ways and walk away. So many times I have been saved from making a mistake, a bad choice, or just sometimes not even the good one, the best choice, because I've been able to hear from someone godly who can love and challenge me. But it can only happen when I am present with God's people and in proper fellowship and relationship with them. That's a major strength of being in a connect group as fast as doing sharing and observing in the team at church. I want my prayer to be loving spirit of God. You have written your rules in my heart. Help me to keep your boundaries and live life in all its fullness. There's so much to know and experience about the kingdom of God. We're going to continue more on this preaching topic again next week. It's because it's so important. It's Jesus' main message and purpose for coming to earth. So I'm going to finish by praying the scripture from Romans 14 over us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending the Son Jesus to walk this earth and bring life to us, to show us your kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace and joy. Serving the Anointed One by walking in these kingdom realities pleases you, God, and earns respect of others. So then, help us make it our top priority to live the life of peace with harmony in our relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.